0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, March 24, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Self-driving cars could upend industries, change the way people work, and dramatically impact real estate values in the years and decades to come. Randall O'Toole, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, discusses the opportunities and challenges. You make a claim that I think is actually pretty startling, which is we don't need any additional infrastructure in order to facilitate uh, self-driving cars all across the United States. I think that's true. Uh,
1: Last year, the president of Ford announced that they were going to start mass producing self-driving cars that are completely self-driving, no steering wheel, no brake pedal, no accelerator pedal Uh, by 2021. They expect to have fleets of these cars out on the streets, uh, which means the transition to self-driving cars is going to happen a lot sooner than a lot of people thought. Uh, and self-driving cars are are going to reduce congestion because you can probably fit three times as many cars on a given road uh, as a, a human-driven car. And they're going to totally uh, replace urban transit, except in New York City. New York City is about the only place where Urban transit, I think, will survive self-driving cars. By 2030, 2035, uh, anybody who doesn't have their own car will be using shared self-driving cars, and urban transit will be totally obsolete. So what that means is if you're trying to talk about making investments in infrastructure, uh, don't build any rail transit because that's going to be uh, have zero riders in about 15 years. Uh, build new highways only where you have a lot of congestion and you expect to get a lot of use out of those roads in the next 5 to 10 years because after 15 years or so, uh, that congestion is going to go away anyway. So you might need some new infrastructure for that short uh, transition period. But don't build highways for 30 years from now because you aren't going to need more highways 30 years from
0: now. Why is that? Uh, almost but specifically all... highways, if, if self-driving cars are going to be such a big thing, you would expect that uh, You're saying that the capacity that exists now will be made better use of by self-driving cars?
1: Exactly. Uh, almost all congestion is a result of slow human reflexes. And self-driving cars are going to have so much faster reflexes that a road that today can move 2,000 vehicles an hour will be able to move six to 8,000 vehicles an hour in the future. And self-driving cars are going to change travel habits. And Right now, people complain about single-occupancy vehicles. In 10 years, they'll be complaining about zero-occupancy vehicles. You know, you'll send your car to the grocery store to pick up your groceries, uh, but you won't go in it. Uh, I'm looking forward to the day when I can send my dogs to the vet and, and not have to go with them. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, self-driving cars are also going to lead to more dispersed driving Uh, people will be driving on more different routes. Uh, The cars will keep track of congestion and they'll find the least congested routes if there is any congestion at all. Uh, More people are going to be likely to live further from work and and workplaces will also disperse because uh, our sense of time will be different. If we're in a self-driving car, we're going to be willing to spend twice as much time getting to work in that car than if we're in a car where we have to have our hands on the wheel and our eyes on the road at 100% of the time.
0: There was a, uh, in speaking with one of my econ professors years ago, he talked about how uh, a a rich guy that he knew uh, took a car to work and uh, had a driver and he got a lot of work done uh, in the car on the way to work and he was sort of, uh, I guess, either vilified or poo-pooed over uh, having done that. But that option will be broadly available to people in a way that it hasn't been before.
1: That's right. And if you look at the data, people who take transit to work spend almost twice as much time uh, getting to work as people who drive to work. And the people who collect the data have always said, well, transit is so much slower. But wait a minute. uh, There's also an assumption that people have a time budget. They're only willing to spend so much time traveling. And... Uh, that, the, the best information we have is that time budget really hasn't changed in the past several thousand years. We can look back and see how much people spent tra- time people spent traveling 2,000 years ago, and it's really about the same as today. But still, people in transit are willing to devote twice as much time, and it's because they don't have the stress of driving. Uh, they can relax. Uh, a lot of them can sit down. They can read. They can listen to music and things like that. If you can do all those things in your car, if you can read, if you can work on your laptop, if you can watch a movie, you're going to be willing to spend twice as much time. And the cars will be faster, too, because there'll be less congestion. So people are going to be living more than twice as far away from work as they live today.
0: What about uh, the, the the government's uh, inerrant desire to regulate the systems that will govern self-driving cars?
1: Well, the Obama administration clearly had a desire to do that and it's not clear what the Trump administration will do, but the sense is that Trump is uh, much less interested in trying to control people's daily lives and travel habits, and and they'll probably rescind uh, the proposed rule to require that self-driving cars be monitorable by the public. It was called the vehicle-to-vehicle rule, uh, requiring cars have a radio in them that could communicate with other vehicles, but also communicate with infrastructure, which meant that the government would know where you were at all times and, uh, and and could control where you went and could actually potentially turn off your car if you decided to drive more miles than the government thought was your appropriate allocation. Since both California and Washington states have decided that their goal is to reduce per capita driving That's a very real threat that they could just say, oh, you've you've reached your uh, monthly ration and so we're going to turn off your car.
0: Of course, now, uh, recent documents released from WikiLeaks indicates that there are exploits that uh, various governments, uh, the CIA notably, had to potentially turn off cars at very inopportune times.
1: Yes, and it depends on how your car is wired. A lot of car manufacturers thought they were being real hip by uh, allowing people to plug their cell phones directly into the car and let the cell phone communicate with the car's uh, onboard processors. And and by the way, most cars today are built with lots of computers on board to to control the brakes and to control the uh, electronic steering and so on and so forth. So uh, when they did that, uh, when the manufacturers did that. Quickly, hackers figured out that they could remotely turn off your car or apply the brakes or turn off the brakes so that you wouldn't be able to brake uh, when you were driving along. And so the manufacturers have since learned they need to put a firewall there, and that's something that uh, uh, the government doesn't want. They actually want to have that kind of connection to your car. The question for the administration and Congress today is what kind of infrastructure are we going to need in the future? And with self-driving cars on the horizon, the first thing we know is they aren't going to need any special infrastructure. They're not going to need any smart roads or electronics because the manufacturers of self-driving cars uh, don't trust the government to build or maintain all the electronic infrastructure that would be needed for a car that depends on that infrastructure. So they're building them without any such dependence at all. All the smarts, all the smarts are in the car. Uh, what we do need is to repair our roads, uh, repair our transit, and talk about for urban transit uh, is it really makes sense to keep the rail systems that are falling apart, like the Washington metro system, the Atlanta system, the Boston system, the San Francisco system, they're all falling apart? Uh, Or does it make sense to replace them with buses, which can be easily phased out if they're replaced by self-driving cars? But if they aren't replaced by self-driving cars, they can actually move as many people per hour as the trains and do it for a lot less money.
0: Are there uh, spillover effects, uh, positive externalities associated with having just some of the cars on the road be self-driving cars?
1: Absolutely. As as soon as 20% of the cars on the road are self-driving, you're going to start to see reductions in congestion because, uh, as I said, congestion is caused by slow human reflexes and one person's slow reflexes can cause what's called a pulse where you get a whole lineup of cars slowing down uh, and if you can interrupt that pulse with one vehicle that has faster reflexes, then the pulse goes away. So by putting in one out of five or one out of four cars that are self-driving, you start to relieve congestion right away.
0: What investment decisions should I be making now to capitalize on, this, on uh, self-driving cars in the future? Presumably, ex-urban real estate uh, might be more attractive than it has been in the past.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's also possible that downtown real estate could be more attractive if self-driving cars relieve congestion and allow more people to get downtown. So, it's hard to exactly predict what's going to happen. But uh, if you're in California, where nobody's allowed to build in ex-urban areas, and that's also true in Oregon, Washington, and Hawaii, uh, then probably investing in ex-urban real estate isn't going to do you much good unless you're also going to invest in some good lobbyists to overturn those laws. Uh I think you look at the companies that are putting together these ideas, and Google and Apple and other uh, software companies are trying to put together self-driving uh, software, but nobody knows if that's going to take off. Uh, I think we're pretty sure that Ford's going to survive, and Ford has committed itself to having as big a self-driving program as anybody. General Motors is probably going to survive, so I think they're going to be good investments. Um if if you're the government and you're talking about investments, then uh, you really need to figure out what's the best way to pay for these investments. If you can't pay for them with user fees, you're not going to be able to afford to maintain them because uh, the cost of maintenance in the long run is just as much as the cost of construction in the first place. So it's best to only build infrastructure that you can pay for with user fees and... Uh, I like Oregon's idea of going with mileage-based user fees for for
0: roads. Randall O'Toole is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Podcast.